Hello, and welcome to Tech Connects, Dice's podcast where we dig into the topics on tech hiring, recruiting, and careers that matter to you. I'm your host, Nick Kolakowski, and I'm going to talk to great guests every month about the current state of the tech careers world, including the tech job market, the hottest tech skills, what companies are doing to attract and retain technologists in a historically tight market, and much more. Our guest today is Saad Sadiqui, who's general partner at Telstra Ventures, a San Francisco-based strategic growth firm. He invests in HR tech companies such as Certain and Forage, which gives him some unique insights into talent acquisition, how technology impacts onboarding and training, and the future of work itself. He also previously served as an executive at Informatica and Cisco. Let's listen as Saad breaks down the biggest pain points in HR tech, how technology can impact parts of the hiring process, and how companies are adjusting to hybrid and remote work. So thank you um, for being on. And one thing I really wanted to talk about, I've been, I've been, obviously, you know, I, I, I write and chat with a lot of people about HR tech, but you're sort of in this unique position because you invest in HR tech companies. You have this 35,000 foot view of an industry that's evolving very quickly and that people are constantly trying to figure out the parameters of and so on. And I'm curious, you know, because what are the biggest pain points for the HR tech industry at the moment? And, and, and what are you doing in terms of your approach to solving them? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think as we think through how the HR landscape sort of changed over the last couple of years, honestly, precipitated primarily by COVID, right? Like we've gone from everyone in the office five days a week, every once in a while, I think there was approximately 20% of the workforce that had some level of either field work or remote work capabilities where people used to have Fridays at home or things like that to like everyone's working at home, right? So, and now as we're getting past COVID, people are trying to understand um, what the new workforce sort of looks like. And this new way of working is changing everything from how we identify talent, because not only are you recruiting for talent uh, locally, you're looking at potentially nationally and even internationally. How do you recruit, onboard, train? How do you provide benefits and manage payroll uh, across different geographies and manage tax structures and things of that nature? Um, everything is getting upended. So, um, and as now that the economy is tightening, we're starting to see more layoffs, particularly in the tech space. But uh, we suspect that it could be broader as well. So everything is sort of changing, uh, precipitated by COVID. But at the same time, um, so we're, we're actually really excited about kind of seeing, um, investing in technologies that provide flexibility to employers, employees in terms of how they want to work and, uh, and the broader landscape. Yeah. One of the interesting things, we actually just did a huge sentiment survey. We surveyed technology professionals, recruiters, hiring managers, and so on. And to what you were just discussing, there was this gap in the data where on one hand you had technologists who were really interested in the hybrid and remote work and flexible schedules and everything related to that. But on the other side of it, you also had employers who really, really wanted their people back in the office and, and beyond, um, beyond sort of, I mean, there's a lot of headlines around Tesla enforcing a five day a week return to the office mandate and other companies doing something similar, but it sort of went beyond that to employers trying to incentivize it through, ooh, you know, we have new, we have a new cafeteria or we have all these, you know, we have cool toys that you can play with in your five minutes of downtime. Um, 
Where do you think, do you think the trend despite that is ultimately towards remote and hybrid work? Do you think that employers are going to, the ones at least that want to, are going to succeed in pulling people back into the more traditional pre-pandemic frame in terms of work? I mean, where, I mean, what's, what does your instinct tell you about that based on everyone you're talking to and so on? Honestly, this is the first time you have trade-offs in a, in a massive way. I think the trade-offs that people are trying to evaluate is um, if you have people in the office, there it enables more collaboration, uh, both within teams and cross-functionally. Uh, you build a culture. Um, culture is like easier to sort of establish, and um, and just kind of camaraderie is a bit more, more present. On the other hand. Um, employees themselves are looking for flexibility. So in the past, everyone has made uh, a, a move from a, a geographic perspective based off of the, their career. And over the last two, three years, people ended up moving where they wanted to raise their families, as an example, right? Or the, where they wanted to live their lives. And it may end up being challenging to recruit the best of the best if you don't offer remote. So employers are trying to... Met, figure out what they need. So in the case of uh, fully uh, remote work, it is potentially easier to recruit um, and recruit on a national and international basis. Uh, you end up kind of getting access to the talent in the best uh, in places where you wouldn't even think about, right? So, um, and it is particularly uh, useful for companies that have more task-based uh, requirements, right? So if you know exactly what you need an employee to do that requires like uh, little little to no handholding and you just need something kind of done, like remote work may work best. If you need, if, if your employees have a need for collaboration and trying to brainstorm, there may be um, why you may want to bring folks to the office. That's an example of like the, the things that people are sort of thinking through. Um, and for every Tesla, there's like an Airbnb, which is going fully remote and everything in the middle, right? So people are thinking through hybrid where they do a couple of days a week in the office um, or um, as in addition to fully remote and fully hybrid or yeah. fully remote and fully, fully in the office. One, one of the, the companies you work with, one of your investments, Forage, they do the virtual work experience programs. And it, that was, re I mean, that was really interesting to me because with remote work and people applying for jobs and never actually entering the office and just this whole new paradigm we're working with, it's, it, it seemed like a potential solution to a lot of those issues. And I was, I was just, I, I was intrigued. I always say I was looking at the website and so on, but, but what actually goes into creating a virtual work experience and how does that, how does, if, if, if you're a job applicant and you're experiencing this, how are you? How are they sure that what they're getting is sort of the authentic taste of the experience, or the authentic taste of the culture as as they're going through that process? Yeah, it's it's honestly Forage has been just a phenomenal investment for us. They've they've done an incredible amount of work in terms of helping um, companies or uh, applicants understand what the job would be like once they sort of start full time, right? So um, I think you get a taste, but I think over time you need other ongoing ongoing uh, experiences as well, right? So I think on the back of that, we've sort of made investments in companies like Springboard, which is providing ongoing training uh, and upskilling your employees. We're invested in a company called Specket, which does um, employee onboarding uh, and just kind of manage, like helping 
um, employees understand the new products that they're launching um, and and getting a better understanding of uh, the competitive landscape and things of that nature. Um, so we're we're really excited to kind of invest across the landscape um, in that entire life cycle. I think there's a lot more to do, to be honest. Um, there's a lot to do more around actually like helping build culture in a virtual world. Um, we're, we're, we're still, I think, in the early innings there. In terms of the, the call, I mean, I have a couple of contacts at Apple. And one of the things that they're running into at Apple, and this goes to what you were just talking about in terms of people, you know, go-getters versus remote workers not needing to, but Apple wants people back in the office in at least in a hybrid configuration because they put a lot of emphasis on culture and they insist that at least some of the managers there, that culture is not really something that you can create virtually. It's something that has to, they believe it's something that has to be in the office. And of course, they also just spent $5 billion on that giant spaceship in Cupertino. So of course they want people back in the office because they just spent all that money on all that, you know, fabulous marble and, and glass and whatnot. But what goes into a successful virtual culture? If you were just speaking to somebody who was skeptical about it and they're like, you can't possibly do this in a virtual context whatsoever. I mean, how do you, how do you push back against that argument? Because it does seem where that's, that's where things are going. So. Yeah, that's a very good question, Nick. I think in, in some ways we're trying to figure that out. We've been running this experiment on a global basis on what a fully remote workforce or looks like. Right. So uh, people have started obviously implementing things like uh, virtual happy hours, right? Uh, people that are in different time zones, there's like work hours for help, like making sure that you don't have um, work that sort of like intrudes in people's lives and stuff, right? So there's things like that that are sort of happening and people like it's it, like you may remember in the past, uh, there was that uh, CNN video where a kid comes walking into um, this guy who was being interviewed uh, in, into his room and yeah. the mom kind of comes in mm-hmm. and that became everyone's reality for the last three years. Right. So um, people are much more open about their life uh, on a personal level. I would argue probably more than they have been in the past um, being in the office. And it kind of brings the humanity to, the virtual world where that probably was something that people didn't talk about or completely ignored. Right. So, um, um, and it is not now very common to say like, Hey, I got to go pick up my kid. Uh, it's three o'clock or there's like a, a dance recital and I'll come back and work later on or something like that. All of that has become much more normal. Right. So, and that to me helps build culture more so than it, it potentially has uh, in the in the past, right? So um, that, that flexibility, uh, acknowledgement of people's realities, um, like is is sort of what I think the workplace was sort of missing in the past, um, and now it's sort of like helping shape the culture of the of the future workforce. Do you think companies are getting in general are getting better at it? Or do you think there's a long way to go, especially in tech where there was this driving culture for so long around crunch time and all the rest of that stuff? Yeah, I think we are getting better at it, but we also have a long way to go. Right. So um, like as an example, like we don't have a way of uh, if there is a Zoom meeting, you have all these notifications from Slack, from email that are popping off, right? So like, it's really hard to concentrate. Like you've got 
things buzzing and beeping all the time when you need to sort of focus? How do you sort of uh, have some of that flow time, right? So like where you can actually do some deep work. Um, people are sort of like experimenting on an individual level, uh, but like you've got the same screen you use to do work now has all these notifications that are popping off. Like, how do you manage that? How do you sort of have some of those impromptu conversations that happen around the water cooler, right? Like, like does everything need to be a 30 minute or an hour long call? Um, can you have like a five minute chat as you're sort of walking by? Um, so those things are still sort of TBD, right? Like how do you sort of like have that in the virtual world? That's sort of missing. And I think as we sort of work on solving that, that'll get better over time. That, that'll like help remote be uh, a, probably a bigger force. You see, it's some people advocate almost a tech solution to it. That's you know, both on, on both sides of it. That you know, your your instant messaging, where it's Teams or Slack or whatever, that you shut it off after a certain point. But then also somehow it's supposed to facilitate the the fortuitous interactions between people. That people will just pop up in your Teams randomly or Slack to have that conversation, and that these tools are allowing that to happen. Do you think that's you see a lot of data and a lot of hype about stuff like that. Do you think that's actually true or do you think it's waiting for the next turn in the corner technologically for somebody to come up with a solution that's better, both in terms of work-life balance, but also in terms of like creating that culture of fortuitous conversations and this, that sort of office interaction? Yeah, I think, to be honest, everyone's experimenting at this point. Like I've talked to uh, heads of HR at uh, like top five uh, tech companies to uh, other consumer brands um, across the board when I talk to different HR leaders uh, the the constant message is we're trying to figure it out this is what we're doing hopefully it works out right like as an example like kind of going back to like the virtual happy hours like technology is a tool right and it can enable uh, this thing that we call the fluid workforce here at Telstra Ventures um, what we're hoping to do with technology is provide the ability to have flexibility or fluidity um, in the, that workforce. It's not going to help you build the processes, right? Like it's not going to say, hey, buy this thing and you've gonna, you're going to have a fully remote work culture, right? There's a lot of other things that are more operational in nature that are needed and process and all that other stuff that's sort of needed that are that's more human. Um, technology just can be an enabling feature for that right so um that's sort of like how we sort of think about the the role of technology in the um in the virtual world or remote world think, yeah and that, and that makes total sense do you think there's been so much hype about the metaverse and ar and vr and so on do you do you think that that's a, a near-term factor a long-term factor non-factor i mean is there a future is there a near future where everyone's wearing the headsets and seeing their virtual colleagues displayed before them and and interacting that way i mean what, what's what's your gut on that yeah it's that is a very early sort of thing like I, I think there has there have been really interesting companies that have been formed right so there's a company that's really interesting called gather.town um that is sort of building the metaverse for um for the office where you have an avatar that goes into different rooms and then you can sort of like meet with different teams and stuff like and you you can go into all hands and things of that nature um those are really ex interesting experiments that are sort of being uh played today um it's 
I would love to sort of see how that sort of like uh, manifests over the, over the next couple of years. Uh, are those things that are more of a, a nice to have or are they sort of culture setting sort of um, platforms, right? So uh, it's early days. Um, I, I am optimistic that that does become something um, really valuable over time, but it is super early, right? And the other thing that I would say is like, in different ways, we have sort of been living in a weird metaverse world, right? Not with that, with avatars or uh, virtual reality, uh, more so with our screens, right? So like in Slack, that's our hangout spot with email. That's like the, the meeting room. There's all these other tools that sort of basically have the different rooms that are like uh, sides of a work that uh, work that we have. You've got companies like Figma for design and all these collaboration tools that are sort of there, uh, collaboration functionality that's there in all the different tools that we have today, right? So for different purposes. Um, and I think that is going to continue and we'll, we'll see more innovation on that front. And now I think we need to sort of combine all of these ways that we communicate with each other. And that could potentially be a version of the metaverse that sort of becomes reality over the next uh, coming years, I guess. When you talk to people in HR tech, is it, is it something that they're excited about? Do you feel like some sort of, you know, momentum, momentum behind it almost? Or is it something where people are kind of, eh, we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, what's, 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 what's your take on that? It's, it's across the board, right? It's very mixed. Uh, some people are very skeptical. Other people are very optimistic. I think to be very honest, the, the big thing these days is more to do with everything around managing the hybrid remote in-office workforce and uh, making sure, and as the economy is tightening, like managing uh, human costs, right? So those are in the, in the priority of things. Like those are the a bigger priority these days. These are more like I'd say like interesting experiments that folks are running and could be big over time. But there's pressing issues that a lot of HR leaders are sort of facing today, and that's sort of like an area that I sort of think about. Like, is this something that's a vitamin? This is cool to have, or a painkiller, right? So. Is this something that solves my problem today? Um, and we're looking for things that can sort of uh, be really impactful the second you sort of implement them. What excites you the most in terms of that? As you're looking at things, as you're evaluating things, like what's 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 intriguing you the most at this moment? Yeah, there's there's definitely a few things, right? So, for example, like um, as we think about the global workforce, right? We need a way to like we've, we've gone from hiring on a very local level to a very national and international level, like getting like in the past also, you hired people based off of the networks that you had within the team, right? That is still a, a really big source of referrals, but at the same time, like now you have access to a pool of capital, a pool of talent that you didn't have access to before. So background checks are being reinvented in a massive way. And on the back of that, we've invested in a company called Certain. Um, secondly, I think as in, in the United States, the co healthcare costs are rising through the roof and insurance costs for employers are rising pretty substantially. 
um, and have sort of come more in vogue um, or, or, or more in focus because of uh, COVID, right? So people are really conscious of the healthcare benefits that they have and employers are trying to figure out how to make sure that those healthcare benefits are being utilized and they're paying for that utilization rather than excess capacity. And on the back of that, high deductible plans are sort of coming up in a massive way. And we invested in a company called Lively, which is a HSA benefits platform on the back of that. Um, so there's a bunch of things like that that are sort of happening, right? So like you, you mentioned, uh, Forage as, a, as another really interesting example and Springboard around ongoing employee training uh, and um, uh, employee upskilling. Uh, we also invested in a company called Speckit, uh, which is in the employee onboarding space. So I think across the board, the whole journey of an employee lifecycle is changing. And those are the things that we're pretty excited about and investing in technologies that sort of enable the uh, the flexibility that employers and employees need. I think it's interesting that you said that about healthcare, because I think it was in Axios this morning, but they were talking about how last year, the cost of healthcare for employers was relatively stable in terms of premiums and everything else and that because of inflation, but also obviously because of other factors, it's about to go through the roof. So it seems a perfect time to, to sort of address that particular pain point. Um, just because in the next 12 months, it sounds like, especially for smaller employers and startups and so on, it sounds like it's going to get really hairy, Just yeah, not good. Yeah. Uh, a million percent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, wow. That's really freaky. Um, in terms the other thing though, that's in, I brought this up uh, with some other people when I was talking to them this morning. According to CompTIA and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the the tech unemployment right now, tech unemployment rate blah right now is two point one percent, and it still seems like there's pressure out there to hire technology professionals despite all of the economic uncertainty and the fears of recession and everything else. So with a company like Speckit. Does that put is is there pressure to create onboarding and training that that's faster, that's quicker? How is that? I mean, a are you seeing that demand in terms of companies, and b if there is that demand out there, how is that affecting how companies are kind of onboarding and training? So just get people in as fast as possible. Is it hiring people who come with the skills and ignoring other candidates? I mean, how does how does that work? Yeah, Nick, that's an in- incredible question. So I think the way we sort of think about. Um, ongoing training and onboarding, right? Um, The landscape is changing tremendously. There's new competition that's rising on a daily basis. And employee, like in the past, the way employee onboarding was done is like you'd sort of sit in a a all-hands seminar where new employees are there. um, And you sort of like, you may be paying attention, may not be. um, And then after you're sort of done with those seminars, you probably have a bunch of questions in terms of how you're supposed to do the workflow. And the way you would do it is like, you talk to the guy next to you or on the other side and just see like, Hey, how are you doing this? Or like, um, or you'd go to your manager and say like, Hey, like this, some uh, in the, in the case of a sales call, we're coming up against this competitor. How do we sort of do this? Right. So, um, there's companies like Gong that do call recording and coaching and spec it sort of like around workflow, right? So that those are the tools that are needed uh, for 
making sure that the team that you have is as productive as possible and you don't have that idle capacity, right? So like there's this trend uh, as an example around quiet quitting and a key factor around quiet quitting is people don't feel challenged enough. They don't feel that their their skills are being utilized in the best way that they feel that they should be able to do work, right? So Tools like Speckit and Gong like help you with that enablement, making sure that your employees are as prepared for the job uh, as possible, right? So that's sort of where those guys sort of fit in in a in a really interesting way. Uh, but yeah, cool. Well, I mean, it's 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 uncertainty, but there's also opportunity and uncertainty. So that's always that's always good. Definitely. So thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I think this is a nice nice quick discussion on. Um, everything HR tech wise. And, and so, yeah, no, this is definitely help. This is certainly def, definitely helpful for me just because, you know, you speak to people who have kind of a very narrow view of whatever their particular aspect is, but your investments and so on cover this whole range. And so I thought this was, this was really good to delve into. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for the time, Nick. And that's it folks. It's always fascinating to talk with someone who has a sweeping view of everything going on in HR tech and how that impacts companies finding the right talent. Here's a few key takeaways from our discussion. First, the rise of remote and hybrid work is giving companies a lot more flexibility. It's now potentially easier to recruit on a national and international basis, as well as find the right talent. But even though there are more opportunities to find the right candidates, a company needs its hiring, onboarding, training, and workplace arranged so that new employees can integrate into the company as smoothly as possible. Second, a lot of workers miss the ability to collaborate in person within an office. That's a key reason why many technology professionals prefer hybrid work, where they go back to their office for a few days a week. Many companies are working on how to bring the collaboration, camaraderie, and spontaneity of the office to a virtual environment in a way that's not just giving a thumbs up on Slack. Keep an eye on what tech companies are doing to make remote work more personable in the future. Third, startups are also trying to figure out how to help businesses manage rising employee costs such as healthcare. With inflation and other factors leading to rising prices, you should pay attention on to how emerging companies are trying to make company spending much more efficient. And that's it, folks. We'll see you next time. And remember, DICE is your best resource to find the tech talent you need to fill your open roles, and for technologists, the best place to grow your tech career.